I find myself working with clients who want to talk to me about their partners and how they're not having good sex, finding crystals for them and <laughs> little, little things that can anchor them. Even with people with like erectile dysfunction, I get a lot of people who are self-diagnosed with that. And a lot of times it's like, let's breathe into the ease of who you are. You know, the pressures of our society for you to perform, uh, to last long, to be erect, to, you know, be sexy. You know, let's like take that away and let's, let's try to find who you are. And that usually is a spiritual opening and awakening. And then I find people are meditating more and then they're feeling a little bit more confident. Not to say that it cures all, but it definitely helps. My guest today is Spirit, also known as Spirit Child, a freedom artist who uses the arts to cultivate a cultural revolution throughout the world. Among other roles, Spirit also serves as a spiritual advisor, community organizer, and a revolutionary somatica practitioner, incorporating elements of sensuality, sexuality, spirituality, and the various realities to holistically obtain desired effects of eroticism and greater intimate relations with self and the world that surrounds us. Spirit, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so we were just talking beforehand about the crazy way that I found you and had to track you down through your Somatica Institute profile you know, I'm going to, like I said, I, I really want you to start with like your story and I'm going to ask you about your spiritual roots, but I'm just curious, like Somatica Institute, when did, how long has it been and how did you discover it? I, my former partner was working on, and she still is working on kind of a documentary, a TV series. She was involved with Somatica, this institute. She received some training and it kind of changed her world, you know, and, and this this partner that I had was actually one who opened me up to polyamory a few decades ago. So I trust her. And she was like, well, you know, this area of work, it's a little different. It's very like involved and engaging. I think you'd be great at it. And to let you know the reason why I'm asking you to come out to California, because I did a TV shoot for them. The reason why I'm asking you to come out is because it's predominantly white, white body and she was like, I think it'd be great with the work that you're doing in prison and, and just as a revolutionary to get some of that training, just to see and check it out. She's like, I know you're very critical. So she was giving me the heads up, like, don't, don't kill me. Just know what you're walking <laughs> into. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool. So I walked in there and I did a session just for TV and I, I fell in love with it. I, I just I thought it was great. And this was like 2019. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, okay, let, let's check this out. And if I found it very similar to my spiritual practice and praxis and other things that I was doing, except this was very more concentrated on people's more sexuality and intimacy as opposed to the holistic approach. So I said, all right, let me give it a shot. And then I found out it was so expensive. Mm. That I was like, that looks and sounds cool. I'm going to keep that over there. And luckily, I met a few people on set and one woman in particular who has been kind of like a mentor of mine, she sponsored me through the program to get certified. And this is also during a time of just before, you know, we were like taking the streets in New York, right? So as soon as I got the okay, I remember 
telling them I have to miss the first module because I have to be protesting in the streets of New York and shit is crazy over here. So, and then they were like, oh, no problem, blah, blah. But you can't, you know, those things you can't miss a day and it's really intensive weekends and blah, blah. And that was kind of like her way of, 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 of getting to the cause per se, mm -hmm. right? Like she was like a sponsor for me and, and, and she helped me work through this and I got certified. I started practicing and I, I have clients and I love it ever since, you know, and I meet the people and, and they're great and they're still like not enough because it's so expensive. There's not enough people who are identify as black, brown, indigenous who are doing this praxis. However, um, I offer discounts to people to try to get them in and if people are really about it, you know, so we still try to work ways around, but that's kind of like the short story of how I got involved and now I'm sticking to it pretty much. <laughs> that's perfect. So that's going to count. That's going to be a sort of our teaser about where we're heading. Okay. <laughs> that's great. There's, there's so much there. So, so take us back. Tell us about your spiritual roots. Like what kind of like religious or spiritual practices were you raised in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I've been more open the past, I guess, five or so years. And I think I opened a portal for myself, to, <laughs> but for others too, to be comfortable talking about my spirituality. Mm. Um, uh, it's something that I've kept not private on, on purpose, but it's something that has been really ostracized by our society. So I'm, I'm a Yoruba or Santero priest. So this is the origins is Nigeria, Cuba. Mine specifically is connected to is to Cuba because it's closer. Mm -hmm. So our practice consists of paying tribute, homage to the elements, deities, gods, goddesses, believing and understanding that there there is a higher force. There is one higher force. However, this higher force asks for or leans upon the help of the others that guide different elements. So there's something that guides over the sea. There's an element that guides over the forest. This is something that's very, so ancient that it's it's connected, you know, you can find its origins or roots to commit. People are now talking about this divine, feminine, and masculine. And those are ancient concepts from the beginning of practice. You'll find many of the Yoruba or San, San, Santeria gods and goddesses having sometimes like a dual personality. For example, there's Olokun who lives in the depth of the sea that people don't know if Olokun's a man, gender-wise, a woman, they're not sure. So they kind of play her both ways. The deity that I've been crowned with when I was 11 years old is Chango. And Chango is a very, very intense masculine. However, six months of the year, Chango's feminine. Because of the synchronicity with Catholicism, Chango is identified with Santa Barbara and oh. St. Barbara is a woman, you know, and Chango is like a heavy macho man, you know, like whatever. So like, that's how we kind of play, you know, with this, this idea or concept of gender a lot. And that also goes into the sexuality. There's so many stories about the, the folklores of the gods and goddesses coming together and merging and you know, playing with each other and creating other things and entities and volcanoes and eruptions and all that stuff. So like, that's, that's kind of my, uh, my essential spiritual praxis. So for oof, over three decades, I guess, I've been a priest and I've been seeing people more frequently, probably over the past 20 years, 
more intensely as someone who guides or counsels or holds space, uh, facilitates that process, initiates people. You know, the reason why also it's it's something that I used to not speak of too much because we involve sometimes, you know, some sacrificing or, or things that, that, are, that are unorthodox to Western world. Up until like the 90s, people were arrested for, for practicing this practice in public. So my godfathers and, and my elders would always caution me to even the things that I wear symbolically to leave no trail or trace to what my practice is. And, and it's also a very secretive practice, not only because of that, but because of the elements and the sacredness of it and what we do behind closed doors. We don't really publicize. And I've never publicized that I'm a priest to people. And I found that you know, we don't solicit, you know, so, but I found over the past, like, five years speaking out more about it, not to solicit, but to allow this, this other perspective of spirituality, you know, this other way that, that is rooted. I also find a connection to my revolutionary cause to assert that identity more and to not shy away from it. So I consider myself a maroon, those who were either enslaved or never enslaved coming from Jamaica, I mean, they go all over, Venezuela, Suriname. You found colonizers, they were people who resisted. Wherever you found people who came to the shores, there were people who said no and people who tried to live alternatively. And these were Maroons. And those Maroons were also very adamant about keeping and preserving their culture and their ways. So I find the assertion today very significant to a resistance that that is articulated through, through, through religion, you know, through spirituality, like not, not conforming to what is popular, not conforming to what our country tis of thee says, right? So I speak out in that way of telling people like, yeah, I do that thing, you know, like, <laughs> like you, know, you know, I do, I do this other thing, you know, and I think it, it's been, it's been helpful because then people kind of understand me a little bit and I don't have to explain that I'm so, so different. I grew up with, you know, my, my, my godfather's gay, right? So openly, right? And in our religion, I grew up in the Bronx and my family, unapologetically, we all just act the way we are, you know? Mm -hmm. So my introduction to LGBTQIA plus was like, when I was thinking back, so early on, you know, when it wasn't a thing that society accepted. So, I mean, still accepting, right? Like they still trying to figuring it out, but more so accepting, you know, aunts, uncles, titis, tias would, would, would be, they would transition, you know, they were transitioning. So we had transgender in our family. We had all this kind of, um, you know, not to say there weren't complications, but I feel like in our community, within our sector of spiritual practice, there was it was always a safer space for for that freedom of expression. No one ever questioned that. Like it was never it was never a thing, you know. And I think because if I have to think about it, because we're so um so persecuted as as a as an entity of practice, that I think our embodiment, we can overstand that, you know, we can go, yeah, I get it. You know, like 
Nobody wants you to exist the way you want to exist and be. That's how this whole community is. That's how our whole continent is. That's how our whole spiritual universe is. You know, like, so that's, it's been such a, a connection for me and eye-opening. And when I see people struggling, I usually ask them, what is their spiritual practice? Not to say that they need to have one, but sometimes it helps to, to validate and affirm. And, uh, you know, my mother would tell me when I was a kid, she would say, you know, who's your best friend? Who's your friend? And I would look at her like I thought it was always a trick question. Uh, she was very tough, you know, and she'd be like, who's your friend? Who's your friend? I'm like, oh, you? And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, but who's your friend? And I'd be like, I don't know. She's like, the spirit is your friend. You know, mm -hmm. like, they'll never turn their back on you. They'll always be there. When I'm not around, you always have that. And I find that to be like an anchor for me because so many people are searching for validation from other people and get disappointed. Um, and I'm always asking, well, what's your, what's your pillar? What's your rock? What's your foundation? Like, who's your friend that you can speak to that understands you when nobody else does and that makes more sense and that matters more you know so I find myself working with clients who want to talk to me about their partners and how they're not having good sex finding crystals for them and <laughs> little little things that can anchor them or taking spiritual baths or, and, and finding another portal of opening to alleviate. Even people with like erectile dysfunction, I get a lot of people who are diagnosed, self-diagnosed with that. And a lot of times it's like, let's breathe into the ease of who you are, you know, the pressures of our society for you to perform, uh, to last long, to be erect, to you know, be sexy, you know, let's like take that away and let's, let's try to find who you are. And that usually is a spiritual opening and awakening. And then I find people are meditating more and then they're feeling a little bit more confident, not to say that it cures all, but it definitely helps. It doesn't help to be so anxious and to not have a friend, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always refer to this spiritual thing as a, as a friend, as something that you can rely and count on and you sit at your altar and you talk and you pray. And you, if you don't like to pray, you write a poem. If you don't like to write poems, you dance. You know, you give something to show that there is something greater and that greatness can hopefully assist you and alleviate some pressures that you're having in the real world. So um, I've always been dancing, you know, dancing, dancing, dancing with the elements. And obviously music is always there as a, as a soundtrack to everything that's happening so yeah you know. so tell us a bit about so that's the one thing we haven't talked about yet is your your identity as a as a freedom artist so mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a freedom artist yeah so Nina Simone coined freedom singer and mm -hmm. I love Nina Simone she's one of my favorite artists and ever since I read that of her I was like I'm a freedom singer and then I I considered myself more artistically because I just dabble in all forms and I like to keep it a bit more open. I've been doing music since I was like eight years old. You know, I'm, I'm 44 now and it's just been my life. It, it's been, it's been something that, that before I could rely or count upon a friend and understood what that meant, that has been my therapy. I had a really good 
high school teacher. Thank God, I have so many good people in, in my life that, you know, it's just rap, 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 rabbity, rap, rap. And he was just like, okay, cool. So he was teaching black history and I was, I went to his black history course and I got put on to Malcolm X and it was over. You know, mm-hmm. my music changed, my ideas changed, my idea with music changed, my purpose for it changed. I found myself going more into just liberation art, like any any place I mean, I have songs of Palestine, Tuvalu, Maldives, any place where there's suffering and I I can take time to lend some creation to. And that's also a way for me to to learn of the place, right? The researching, the mapping, the the connection with the people. And and fortunately, that's how I've been privileged to go to many places as well Mm -hmm. through through writing, you know, through through the arts, through cultural organizing. Uh, spending time with the Zapatistas in Mexico, like able to offer, not just receive, was something that was really, I found important for other communities. I, I, I'm always usually very quiet and, and willing to just sit in a space and observe and, and, and take in. But um, I've learned from various communities that it's, it's a little selfish to do so. Mm. It's really important to also offer and and one of the things that they told us, they're like, what do you have to offer us? You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was there with a, a people of color delegation. I was mostly black and brown and indigenous people from the States. We went there and we all stood together and they were like, that's cool. So what is what do y'all do? So we all gave like most of us were creatives in our own way. So we gave a presentation, you know, and it felt really good to be in a space that we can share our struggle through song or dance and we didn't need translation for that mm-hmm. you know like that doesn't need translation uh, so that energy of 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 working on my craft but also being able to craft with others and just sit and and be there has been really helpful music has helped you know i produce a lot of, i work with other people i dj now as well whoever whatever is creative i i try to dabble in you know, especially music. I, I mean, I write songs for political prisoners. Like a, a lot of our work uh, is heavy. I go into prison teaching hip hop, teaching young people how to write. That's the way I was able to go behind enemy lines is is through the disguise of, I'm just an artist, you know, and I would just promote my political propaganda through those methods or even now somatically, you know, like, offer another avenue of healing through art, but really deeper conversations and learning how to navigate those conversations and see where people are, what evokes things for them, and then use the music, use the revolutionary work, and then really zone in somatically and then really try to be present for people. So it's been like, you know, like little uh, ammunition, I guess. It's like, you know, all all sorts of little ammunitions, like whatever I can take I take and I use (laughs) yeah what comes to mind about that is I I'm gonna make this list and I know they're not separate parts of your identity but you know your work as a priest your work as an artist and a musician your work as a revolutionary work as a somatica coach like they all they're all acts of creativity they're all acts of service and I think for people that have these various aspects of themselves that like they're ways that they're both like interacting with spirit as well as interacting with themselves and the world 
it's both like a testament to being an integrated person, but then it can also be exhausting because <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. there's not like one set like path or calling. How do you navigate that? Like being a complicated person in a world that doesn't always like easily allow us to be complicated. Yeah, that's tough. Some people, I mean, I I have so many stories on that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is exhausting. And, and I find I'm so happy that I'm able to tap into other elements because one, one, I'm a very fiery person, you know, like Chango is a, a fiery spirit. I, I, I think of the deities or the entities as kind of like people would see zodiacs, you know, like mm-hmm. that's my sign, you know, I'm a Gemini and I'm also a child of Chango, which means a lot if I can understand what that means and understand myself, it means that I am, I am, I have a warrior energy that sometimes when I don't want a war, it's still, it's still there. And I have to constantly cool it. And a lot of times I burn people, you know, or people feel threatened or burned by it. So I have to find another way for myself, you know, so the prayer, you know, I hold spiritual space. We've been doing it since since 2020, since the beginning of the, the other pandemic wave. Uh, and once a month, we would just hold spiritual space for any and all denominations, faith, whatever. It's just a prayer space. And we, we've been doing that for three years. I mean, prior to that, we've always held space in person. But this is different because it's people coming from other places that we meet, whether revolution, whatever, whatever. And I find like when I'm in that space, I don't think about the conflict of politics, you know, even internally. And, you know, there's been so many falling outs. We had so, such intense intensity, right? Political prisoner campaigns, we would free somebody from prison. And then you'd find a lot of people kind of arguing sometimes over like maybe credit or or this nuance of stupid, like our, our our world is ridiculously stupid, you know, at times. We we focus and pay attention on the wrong things most mm. times. Mm. So I, I like to think of that as a multiple intelligence, you know, like what is the other thing that I can look at and see that's positive, but intellectually stimulating. So I go to music. So sometimes I'll 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 go into different zones depending on where I'm at. If things are too fluffy and hippie, I go back into a realm of dismantling the system. You know, like I, you know, and wherever I Thank am. Thank you I for try- saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, because yeah. we, I have to. That's I am. That's who I am. When in these somatic totally. spaces, I tell people first and foremost, I'm a revolutionary because I feel like I have to assert that identity there. And when I'm in other spaces that are, are revolutionary spaces, I'm like, I'm a spiritual being walking in this life and da, 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 maybe we should take some, you know, so I try to, the navigation for me is offset the imbalance. Like if there's something that I can lend from my other spaces that is more useful in those spaces, that's what I bring more, you know, and yeah. I kind of like tap dance or dance so, with that. I think So this brings up something else for me is that, you know, constantly being that voice of alternative perspectives, that's, that's really when you step up as a leader in all these spaces, but that's lonely, right? 
Like, yeah. Talk about the loneliness of that. It's it's very lonely. I I I I found I had a really good mentor who is no longer living. His name was Fred Hull. And he taught me so much before he died, especially. And one thing that was really important was that as as revolutionary leaders or just as leaders, we're going to find ourselves by ourselves, you mm-hmm. know. And what's important is not to, to try to convince the mass, but to really try to surround yourself with a few people and that 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 believe in the ideas and ideals that you believe in. And also at times, if they believe in you, that's helpful, but they don't have to necessarily and walk with them. And I've been grateful to have a partner who believes in what I believe in. So even when I feel alone, I know they're there. And I've had other partners in this polyamorous nature that have also been there, you know, selflessly. And I, for them, the same way, you know. So if they have a vision, I lend my body, mind, and soul to their vision. And I I just immerse myself in their world. And they do the same for me. I find it's really hard to find many people like that which is why I think there's a reason why Fred was telling a few, you know, you mm-hmm. hold on to those few. And a lot of times we go out and we're recruiting, we recruit people and train people, you know, in this way and see if they want to learn and uh, dismantle and develop ideologically, ontologically. But a lot of times people are not looking for a few people, you know, they're either looking for the world to conform or to, to settle in with, or they're doing it for themselves. And that's dangerous, you know, because the world's going to disappoint you and you will find yourself alone. But if you can try to find two, three people that are like, not just your best friend, you know, like that are people that like really will ride with you. Mm and understand all your shit and not be like you know and they like it's cool you're going through your shit right now like just hit me up in about a week you know like and then we'll 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 sort it out or whatever it is or you need like that knows you you know sometimes better than you know yourself you know those those are the, the the things that keep me sane and keep me in good company but it's hard you know like it's it's hard because i i i really feel at these times because of the perspectives like sometimes that the bridges get burned so easy you know because mm-hmm. people have the expectations of what it is to be in a space how i'm supposed to be then oh you did me wrong oh you you mispronoun me oh you blah blah like and it becomes a whole thing of like do you understand the person that you're talking to we're fighting so much we're fighting for the wrong things you know it's like where is the construction of being together and and figuring that we're more similar, especially than the oppressor. We're more similar than we are different and we need each other, you know? So it's been helpful because I've been getting more vulnerable. Somatica has helped me a lot to ask for help, to say I'm over capacity, but not, not that I'm done, not to use it as an excuse, but to say I'm over capacity can can I have assistance in this particular area so that I don't get burned out quicker? Yeah. 
So, okay, we haven't, <laughs> we had the introduction to somatic at the beginning. So let's, mm -hmm. let's come back to it. Like okay. what was, what, so what is somatica and, and what do you do with it? Yeah. So it's, it's an approach of working with individuals, yourself in a very touch base, embodied base, but also erotic. So that's where the uh comes in. So the erotica, so there's, yeah, <laughs> there's that, that kind of nature. Eroticism could, could scope and range, right? Because we all have our levels of comfort with that or exposure to that. So a lot of times it could be just, I'm working with somebody and they're feeling like they have a low libido or whatever, and they don't, they don't, they're concerned. I'm like, well, what do you like? You know, what do you like to do? And we'll find out that person likes to garden. Like they really get off on gardening, you know? So it's like attuning to people, deshamifying is a main, those are the main things. And, and, and saying like, it's okay to be where you are in your body. Uh, it's okay to find sexiness where others don't really see that sexiness because we've been, you know, programmed to seeing what the image of lovemaking, sex, family, that intimacy is supposed to look like. Mm. But I find it so beautiful to hear people's natural, raw, naked self into what they find as their core desires, like what they really like, like. I just want to be on the couch eating ice cream, you know, with my partner, with my head on their lap. Excellent. How can we get more of that for you? You know, like that's, you know, like that, if that's it, that's it. You know what I mean? Like it's, so sometimes people get afraid because they're like, oh my God, you're like doing all these crazy things. And yeah, we do crazy things, you know, and intimacy is intimacy. You know, I see people in person, a lot of times they, they don't know how to receive touch. Mm -hmm. So we'll explore that to a level of comfort. A lot of times people don't know how to express boundaries, you know, uh, offer or respect consent, you know, how to be with an, um, another individual, you know, like how, like how to get cues or like, you know, sometimes it's not even about sex. It's just like, I don't even know how to begin to identify and talk to another human being. You know, and, and, and we, especially the past few years, it, you know, we have to take the time to, to reset. Things are a lot different, yet somehow we're still rolling and moving as if things are the same, which is okay if that's comfortable for people. And to understand that for a lot of other people, that difference is they're wearing it on their skin. So... We have to be sensitive to receiving that difference so that we don't become indifferent to people. And that connection for me is where I find the somatica energy of bridging those differences, having a greater understanding and a greater awareness to yourself, you know, and then how yourself is connected to other people. Because what I'm finding a lot of times people are coming in with their intimacy issues or problems with their partner and uh, or with themselves or whatever. And I'm like, well, how can I talk to your partner or the person that is making you feel this way? Cause that's the person who I should be talking to. Mm -hmm. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're okay. Usually it's like, 
the perception of what other people's projection is upon them. I'm like, oh, let's talk about that part, you know, for yeah. your part. <laughs> is it predominantly individual coaching or is it also couples coaching or a mix? Mix. Yeah, it's a yep. mix. I get a lot of couples. I get a lot of individuals. I get people who who are not even dating, you know, mm-hmm. but but want to feel a sense of connecting with someone else, you know. I get people who they think I don't know, but I know, who <laughs> who hit me up and they're like, I want to do a session. But like <laughs> there's an attraction with me mm-hmm. and they want to keep that going because it feels good. And I'm like, that's good. You know, that's good. That's good too. You know, so I get that part. I get a lot of different things. And I get people who really are adamantly thinking and they, they know exactly what they're in for. Like they know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are like, it's just like marriage counseling too. You know, like it's just really heavy stuff too like people i saw my partner just blatantly cheating in our bed with blah blah like you know and it's like we have to really work that out like the practicality of that is intense but the first part is attuning and actually communicating Mm. you know stop communicating with our bodies with ourselves so regardless if it's a couple or an individual communication is always a thing that 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 comes up right always comes up but yeah, couples, individuals, whatever it is, it's a rodeo. I haven't had I haven't had three people on yet, but I'm, I'm I think it, it could happen, you know. Soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Like, Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, I think we need to start wrapping up. Is there anything else that you would? like to leave us with about you know the integration and the intersection between our spiritual and our erotic selves yeah i would say not to be afraid wherever people's comfort level wherever they find themselves it's okay to be where you are and it's also okay to push out more who you are Mm. we're not monolithic creatures you know so if if we go to a space and we want to dance usually will dance if the music feels right we don't have to turn off our spiritual selves if we're in a crowded room and we feel like praying or doing a cleansing cleaning ourselves thinking of spiritual meditating you know to to be immersed in all yourselves in a space is probably one of the most liberating things that one can do it's hard but if you can do it and find that you can do it more, just think about how many others would be liberated and feel the need to liberate and practice that liberation. And I think that's the trend or the fire that we want to spark, you know, the idea that we can be a reflection of a society that's transforming and being comfortable with who we are and our many selves, you know, and our dynamic beauty, you know, so if if there's a way to do that responsibly without forcibly trying to convince other people of your way just to be who you are, I think that's 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 probably what I would offer as as some kind of um path that could be taken if, if people want to take that path. You know, I think it's 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 colorful, it's beautiful, it's inviting, it's it's scary. But to go into the fear, because in the fear is, is you know, we find resilience, happiness, strength, confidence, you know, we learn from it. 
you know, and just think of how many people could learn from us or you going into your fear. You know, maybe that would be more of a motivation to do that. Yeah. Great thoughts to end on. Thank you so much for joining me. Right Again. On. Right yeah. on. Thank you.